Hello, welcome back. Welcome to the show. Uh, welcome to Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. Hi, I'm Corwin Heller. And we've been out of commission for a while um, for the first part because I was on vacation. And then for the second part, because I got COVID, <laughs> I could not breathe or form words. Um, so, yeah, that'll, that'll do it. Two things that are very necessary when you're trying to make a podcast with your friend uh, is being able to breathe consistently and have the mental fortitude to form actual words. And those two things were hard. So we've been out. I've been out, really, which means that we've been out um, for like two weeks. But hey, we're back. I'm back in Jersey and slowly starting to feel like myself again. So here we are talking sports, getting back into the swang of things. Um, Corbin, you ready to talk about some football? Yeah, dude. Are you ready for some football? Every time, if we think about the music associated with sports, football is definitely like in we never left the 70s rock or also here's some weird country shit it's like contemporary country and stadium rock from the 70s sure yeah yeah that's what I got yeah yeah that's a whole discussion too Um. (laughs) all right so a lot, a lot of things have happened in both the baseball and football worlds since we last recorded, but I, this show is only going 60 minutes, so we're not going to get to all of it. I'm still, I'm struggling to breathe as I'm saying all this. So um, we will get to what we can get to. We'll be prioritizing a little bit based on what's happened since we last discussed. Uh, but let's start with probably an easy and short one. And that is the NFL's new overtime, overtime rules. Jesus Christ, starting already. Uh, usually I can't speak, but I'm going to blame this one on um, the COVID this time. So NFL has changed its overtime rules to allow for both teams to have a possession in the playoffs <laughs> only. Um, now, this is a big departure from what has historically happened, and this has come up especially in the last I think three consecutive playoffs this has happened where the one team got the ball or got, yeah, got the ball uh, for the first drive had a relatively controversial play somewhere in there, like the saints versus the Vikings. And I think that was 2019, 2020 mm-hmm. um, and then scored a touchdown and the game ended. And it's like, all right, so not only is that call controversial, but because of the rules, the other team doesn't even really get a chance to respond to it. So now, now it's not just a, a controversial call at a crucial moment. It's also a controversial call that essentially decides the game. And so the NFL is making amends on that amendments on that to uh, change things only in the playoffs. Uh, Corin, what do you think? Um, I mean, look, I'm very happy that it's something that, we're getting for the playoffs. I would love to have it for the regular season as well, but at the end of the day, I can understand, Hey, this is the first stepping stone and it'll in all likelihood be expanded 
relatively soon as long as it works out. Um, I will say it's definitely got its new strategy where now it almost seems like you would want to have the ball second so that you have the, I guess, the hindsight of information or, or the additional information, knowing whether or not you absolutely need to go for two, go for, you know, just a PAT, things of that nature, just reduces uncertainty. Which, look, if we're getting new strategy and new, you know, ways of approaching the game, I'm all for it. Um, I'm just glad that you are going to get a chance to defend yourself. Yeah, it, it again, seems like such a common sense change mm-hmm. to make. Uh, we have talked about this many times in the past. It is an existing rule, essentially, that college football employs. So it's not like we can even say that it would be the thing that leads to the degradation of society. We know what it looks like, and it works. Corwin? Um, I just found a, a stat here in the article that ESPN Stat posted. me up, bitch. Uh, since the playoff format was implemented in 2010, seven of the 12 over, overtime games have been won on the opening possession, and 10 of those 12 were won by the team who won the coin toss. Which means that there's probably, what, two fumbles recovered for a touchdown or some shit like that? Or even just, hey, getting two possessions to score versus just, you know, because if you hold them to a field goal for the second team to score um, oh, or field goal, field goal, it keeps going. Only the touchdown ends the game, I, I think. Um, it's really just, hey, you get the ball more often, you win the game. But regardless, 10 of 12 for the team that wins the coin toss is ungodly, is uh, statistically significant. <laughs> yeah. Um... Glad it's changing. And there should be, there should honestly, those aspects of competitive balance should be explored more throughout the sport and other sports. But like, I would also love to start making more rules that benefit doing onside kicks. You know, Uh, like maybe have the receiving ends team instead of being only ten yards downfield for uh, kickoffs, be more like twenty yards downfield for the start of kickoffs. Because honestly. Mm those players at 10 yards aren't doing shit anyway. And then it makes meeting the 10 yard minimum kick distance threshold a little bit more interesting because instead of uh, the receiving team, not really having to go anywhere, it makes both teams actually have to run for position at least 10 yards and kind of makes that a little bit more competitive. Um, But anyway, going back to the overtime rule part. Yeah. People, you also got to remember that at one point in time, very recently, like in Corwin and my memory, the NFL overtime policy was kick a field goal, you win the fucking game, which meant all you needed to do as the receiving team in OT was fucking fair catch the ball at 25 or some up. shit. Yeah, go, I don't know, 40 yards to get down to the opposing 45. And, and you have a chance. I'm not saying it's going to be a chip shot, but you get you get to the opposing sorry 35. You get to the opposing 35. Hey, 42 yard field goal. I mean, yeah, it's not easy, but like, bitch, you can do it. 42 yards is is done every day. Yeah, I mean, it, it was an insane way to run the, the game. 
Uh, and I think it's being realized more and more with their slow amendments to, uh, I guess, adjust the competitive balance of it. Cause man, having your whole season end on like one missed pass interference call. And this might not amend that. It might not, it, you know, it, there might be an instance where both teams scored a touchdown on their opening drives in overtime. And then the touchdown that wins the game is a bad um, pat, missed pass interference or some shit like that. Like it's, it's not going to remove bad refing, bad refing is bad refing. Uh, but it will certainly, I think, go down a little bit easier knowing that, at least you had one chance to have the ball, you know, at least there was something there for you. Uh, what's the next change that we're going to have to overtime? In all Other likelihood, it being, you know, for the regular season as well. Ah, oh, damn it. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, outside of that, honestly, I, the more I've thought about it, the more I think that they should just do what college does which is just take the ball to 25. Oh my God. It's so much better. Because uh, if we're being honest here, overtime isn't about going down the field. It's about scoring a touchdown. I know that's kind of a limited way of thinking about it. Football as a sport is about going down the field. You know, it's about making up yardage. But when we're in overtime, you know, it's not exciting a three yard one run on first and 10 on your own 30. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's really anticlimactic to watch a first down run for three yards on first and 10 from your own 30, 35. It's not exciting. Yeah. Um, You know, what's really exciting, even though it's painful to even bring up seven OT versus the, um, you know, Penn state, Illinois, where, these are not two teams in the same category, but hey, we can have that happen because of these crazy batshit uh, rules. And it's fun. And I think there has to be more movement towards fun for all sports because the idea of fun is fluid and it will change. And I think at this point in time, watching teams just run their two minute drills or their, or their, their red zone offenses for the entirety of OT. That sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds like so much fun. And you want to know why I never think it would happen. I don't think that they care enough to be like, Hey, we need to do this change for the younger audience so that we could keep people interested forever. I think the NFL is just so contempt in where they are. They don't want to risk losing the boomer crowd that would freak the fuck out over. But the defense is, uh, you can't have, uh, this, this isn't football. Oh, and guess what? Rule changes are rule changes. It happens. Um, Not if it was not that, I think the only other things you could do that would be of substance, not stuff like add or remove a timeout or challenge flag stuff. That's really small. I think at the end of the day, another thing I think that would be interesting. I'm not sure how much of an impact it would have, but would be interesting. No field goals. Uh, either within or beyond a certain distance. So either 
no field goals within 20 yards of the end zone or no field goals from outside of 40 yards from the end zone, some shit like that. Just limit something to encourage touchdown going for or touchdown play incident Mm -hmm. in some way. I think that'd be interesting. Like you can only you can only kick field goals from the 40 to the 20 yard line. Anything beyond that. And look, how many people are kicking a, a field goal beyond 40 yards? Almost fucking nobody. Um, it ha- it happens every now and then. But boy, God, yeah, my God, is it I mean, really shit. Unless you have uh, unless you are the Ravens, the Steelers. The Eagles the that one time. Falcons. Yeah, the <laughs> Eagles that one time. Like. <laughs> You don't have a kicker good enough to kick fifty-seven yard field goals or farther. You're just not right. But Justin you could. Tucker. I was trying to think of his name and I couldn't, so I was just I, like, "I know." Unless uh, you're the Ravens, uh, we're just gonna hedge. Um, and then also within twenty yards, because you could reasonably say at that point, I, 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 as the NFL governing body, would rather see you score a touchdown than kick a field goal. So go for it, you dumb bitch. Um, but who knows? At, at that point, it'd probably be easier to just do that. Maybe they don't do 25 yards like they do in college. Maybe they put you at the 40 to make it a little bit more interesting. But regardless, I think that's probably the next change. Or that's the next change I would, I would mm-hmm. reasonably want to see. Agreed. All right. Um, let's go with another... Uh, Probably relatively short and easy to discuss topic. Uh, women will now count as part of the Rooney rule. So this is uh, probably going to end up being more performative than anything else, which is the way the Rooney rule has operated since its inception in 2003. So I, I, I want to make sure that I give a little bit of credit for this, but also the NFL is currently facing many challenges towards the treatment of minority players and minority personnel that having this happen right now um, in what has been deemed one of the more good idea, poorly executed policies of it's um, the body's, I guess, actions towards race. Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't sit suit super well because you know it's not going to be employed well but regardless the idea is that women will not be included in the Rooney rule which means that uh, you can interview a woman for your head coaching and other uh, positions of significance to count towards the Rooney rule so it's not saying you have to interview a minority person and a woman it's that now women count as a minority persons women are viewed as minorities now which considering they weren't viewed as anything before is a jump up becky's everywhere are dancing in the street uh which finally is funny they are that's actually that's actually the name of the first female coach in the nba it's a real name real people have, so I guess I can't be surprised. Um, Becky Hammond, man, go her. Uh, she genuinely, she might be a head coach in the NBA relatively soon. 
I mean, we've talked about this all the time. Women are 50% of our society. And the idea that all of the sports knowledge in the goddamn world <laughs> went only to the, the half of society that was born male is like insane. <laughs> so um, it's the same thing about women entering the workforce in like the 40s and 50s. It's like, no, they're smart, too. All the smarts didn't just go to the dicks like <laughs> It went. It went to to the tit having population too. You know, it, it didn't. It, the, the, there's not extra brains in the balls. Not how it works. There's there's something down there. Not helpful. <laughs> uh, depends what you're after. It's not helpful. <laughs> so, yeah, I like this is nice. It, but much like the the Rooney Rule and its application towards trying to affect more black head coaches, it does not address the problem. And the problem is much like the problem with black head coaching candidates is there are not a lot of candidates out there apparently that are qualified heavy on the air quotes. And why is that? Probably because they're not being empowered to be there and they're not being given the opportunities that the white head coaching candidates are as well. And I don't see how this affects that problem for women either. And that's leaving to the side the fact that just because you interview a candidate doesn't mean they're going to get the job, which is where a lot of the obviously qualified black head coaching candidates are today. It's the reason that Brian Flores is suing the NFL. But it also doesn't like how do you get a woman to be. Again, quote unquote, qualified enough to be interviewing for the job. That's the question the NFL has to ask itself, because whether it's a lack of interest from women to be involved in the coaching and front office part of football, or if it's a lack of outreach from the NFL to you know show the viability of the career path for women, no matter what, there's a gap. I'm also willing to bet, based on the number of female football fans I have in my life, that it's the latter. It's the NFL's failure. Women like football. It's a big fucking sport. Most people like football. Most people include lots and lots of women who know the sport very well. So that's the real issue that's going to have to be addressed with this. Right. And I would go so far as even to say it's not necessarily the NFL, but the entire culture surrounding oh, yeah. the executive level of the NFL. The owners especially, but the owners are not going to be what causes that change. And I think genuinely that the culture needs to change before any improvement. And that's going to involve doing stuff like make, forcing Dan Snyder to sell his team. And uh, probably a good number of the other owners, because guess what? A woman's not going to want to work in a workplace that has almost no public visibility and is extremely dangerous to be in as a woman, which the Washington team has shown us and is probably the case around a lot of other teams. Like we heard about similar stuff from the Houston Astros and their front office. Like, and guess what? That's probably most sports franchises. They're heavily male. They are heavily white. And there's not a lot of public insight into what they do and to how they operate day to day because they're private companies. So you got to, you're going to have to actually put your foot down to show that you're defending and not just 
the women who work there, women in general, it doesn't matter if it's a, a sex worker that got brought in a stripper, whatever, you know, like if people are being mistreated by people who own your teams or have high ranking positions in your teams, guess what? Women don't want to be there then. Why would you, why would you, why would anybody want to be there? So again, this is nice in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like going to the car wash when your car has like a lot of dents in it. I'm like, yeah, this car is beat to shit, but it's cleaner now. Sure. Like it looks a little better, but you're not fixing it. Right. Right. You should probably bring this to a mechanic. Um, like your check engine lights on, but Hey, it's clean. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Do some work on my car. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. I got you, buddy. The joys of car ownership. Why can't we oh, have yeah. readily accessible, good public transportation? I scream, Ew. looking at the my bald ass tires, knowing damn well I'm not replacing <laughs> those sons of bitches till next winter. Oh, that's terrifying. Oh yeah, yeah. Tire tire stores are a racket. I don't think anybody in their life has ever gone into a tire store. And the tire store said, oh, yeah, we have those tires. We have four of them right here. I have never had that happen in my fucking life. Every time I've gone to the tire store, it's been like, oh, we got to order these. And it's like, how? This is a generic vehicle. Do you only carry like Bugatti tires? Like, what is this? You're a Costco. Whatever. Josh's tire rant. Uh, I miss those, you know. So. Let's talk about, I guess we'll transition over to a, a fun one, uh, which is up in Buffalo. The, the, those, those Buffalo Bills are getting a new stadium and the public is helping fund it. So Governor Kathy Hockle, who has been doing not a good job, <laughs> as the interim governor of New York has proposed a deal in which state and county governments would pay $850 million towards the total estimated $1.4 billion cost of building a new stadium in the Buffalo suburb. The total um, cost of operating the stadium on the public side is expected to eventually exceed $1.1 billion once long-term maintenance costs are factored in, according to documents released uh, late last week, or actually a couple weeks ago. Sorry, folks. No, March 30th. That was last week. I was right the first time. Now, this has been a point of contention in sports for years now. This is not new. There's been significantly shifting public opinion on this especially over the last, I'll say, five, ten years. And it's been an, an interesting discussion point as teams have, some teams anyway, have adapted how they've approached the public funding part of this. Like we talked about the Oakland A's one, which seemed actually a little bit more reasonable, where the A's were asking the town to front some of the costs with the A's paying back the town over time, which actually sounded like, oh, okay, not the worst thing, I guess. Um This low interest rate loan at worst, you know? Okay, sure. Yeah. If the team will be paying back the current costs, weird, little quirky 
whatever. As long as the public isn't paying for it in the long term, fine. This is a straight throwback to, oh, please don't leave. Please, we'll do anything you want. Want us to get you a stadium? Want us to fill it with hookers? We'll do whatever you want. Please, please, please don't leave us. It's the Buffalo fucking Bills. Where the fuck do you think they're going to go? I don't understand why the public has to front this, especially for this much money. $850 million. You know how much good work that could do towards the homelessness crisis in New York? Towards affecting yeah. poverty in, 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 in it's the city's major oh, or in Buffalo. I said New York, meaning the city like Buffalo is is not a great area in large, large portions of it because there's a lack of public funding available for social welfare programs. Eight hundred fifty million dollars for a fucking stadium for a pile of concrete seems outrageous. The bills as a whole are only committing 550 million. So they're not even committing half, which grinding my gears to begin with. Tim and Perry, Tim, Kim and Terry Pagula are worth $7 billion. The bills as a whole are worth two and a half billion dollars. And Kim and Terry Pagula are putting in 350 million. That's insane. That's that's five percent of your net uh, net worth. Well, and this that is means... like roundabout math, sure. But at the end of the day, like no one is questioning your ability to be able to pay for a stadium. Why on God's green earth, if this is going to be a privately owned stadium, would this much fucking money be up to taxpayers? With seemingly no negotiate, no no negotiation here. Like even the Oakland government pushed back on the A's proposal. Actually, I don't think that's still even agreed to at the end of the day, the, the Oakland A's proposal to the city of Oakland. And that was way more city friendly than this deal is. And they got a it's already an agreement, which is mind blowing because you got to think this feels like a first proposal. This feels like a look, we're going to ask him to pay for eight hundred fifty million. But realistically, we'd only expect them to pay. 400 million so we'll whittle them you know we're we're building in the idea that we're going to be whittled down for concessions and then they just said oh yeah sure you got it like this includes a hundred million dollars paid out over 15 years for any needed maintenance and repairs plus an additional 180 million dollars for capital improvements paid out over 30 years so not only is the state paying for the stadium in upfront costs, they're paying the maintenance on the stadium. That's fucking insane. That's absolutely insane. I'd love it if the state of New Jersey paid for every time I needed like new guitar strings or the new tires on my fucking car. Pay my maintenance costs. Could you imagine if every time you had a home repair, the state of your state government paid for it? Don't get me wrong. That'd be great for all of us regular, regular folks who have, you know, normal wages and an okay house where the the state could help cover costs of, of, of living and stuff like that. But that's not how fucking life works. Why is it different for a billionaire with a big fancy stadium that they make gobs of money on? Is this communism? I think so. 
It's welfare for the wealthy. That's all it is, man. What is the difference? What is the difference between this and food stamps at the end of the day? Just just souped you know, up for the rich. I just I don't know. People love to rail against the idea of food stamps like, oh, we're paying for people to go eat Twinkies or whatever stupid bullshit they think. And it's like, uh, what's this then? Fuck face. What's this? One program lets people eat food, which, you know, we need to live. And this is a billionaire saying, I can't afford to build a stadium by myself. Can the government help me pay for it? And we're all jumping at chomping at the bit to, to do it. Hey, guess what? If you can't afford it, go fuck yourself. Like, go fuck yeah. yourself. For real. Just do me a favor. All of us. Just go fuck yourself. How old do you think Soldier Field is? Uh, 84 years old. Let's see. Soldier Field was built was <laughs> uh, 98 years. Soldier Field is 98 years old. Uh, how old do you think Lambo is? Um, 99. Oh, wait less. Um, 65 years. <laughs> you just, you should have swapped those two guesses. Yeah, I, you know, I just forgot how to play a game with you. What are some other? How how old do you think Fenway is? Oh, uh, no idea. Uh, 99. 110. Okay. Family feuded that one correctly. There you go. What are some other old stadiums? Um, Beaver Stadium. Old Penn State football. How old do you think Beaver is? Um, I'll guess 100. 62. No kidding, really? It opened it's in 1960. Like September 17th, 1960. Renovated in... Uh, 1984, 1985, 2001, 2008, 2014. Uh, 1909, the original stadium was built. So is this a new Beaver Stadium then? Yeah, it was built on top of, like, the lower portion is uh, the original stadium, and then they actually built, like, a full-size stadium on top of it. Oh, those some parts of the stadium date back to 1909. Okay. Yeah. So 113. And so, all right. And so, how old do you think the Bills' current stadium is? Um, eighty-four. Forty-nine. What year did it come out? <laughs> come out like a record. Uh, nineteen seventy-three. Jesus. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah, uh, that's not an old stadium. It. it it, it, it's not. It's not an old stadium. Stadiums get much older than this. Yeah. Also, save up. <laughs> save, save save up your money. Stop, stop drinking at uh, Starbucks every morning, guy. Come on. Stop stop buying yourself all those avocado toasts. Step back on how many streaming services you got. Yeah. Yeah. Hey Kim. Hey Kim. Stop watching Netflix. Terry, yeah. you don't need red zone. You own the you own the stadium. You can just go there. 
I, I mean, does it feel outrageous to say it's not like this is a, a, a short term investment? It's not like it's a wild and wacky uh, realty scheme that they're running that they need profits immediately for to save save money for longer. <laughs> and you can buy it fucking self. Oh, it's just it makes me so happy to have to finance everything myself. It really does pull myself up by them bootstraps. Whatever. So according to some, some very quick Google searches, um, the bill's revenue in 2020 was $340 million, which was down because of COVID. That's 2020. Uh, 2019, it was $413 million. So I'm willing to bet that's probably closer to what we could expect going forward as the bills have been good and just, you know, more people willing to go out into ballparks nowadays with um, some better COVID precautions and vaccines actually being available. So $400 million, we'll say, Uh, which means I know revenue goes into a lot of things, but if we're looking at just revenue uh, versus the cost of that stadium, that's three years worth of saving up. I mean, if we assume that the bill's operating expenses is significantly less than the revenue, which, uh, yeah, probably is. I don't know. Ten years for a new stadium. Who fucking cares? Ten years. Your stadium. Your stadium will still be less than sixty years old. The Red Sox are playing in a stadium that was that was set up within sixty years of the Civil War. Civil War veterans probably watched baseball games in Fenway Park. The Civil War. Like, it's an old fucking stadium. You can put up with your current stadium for another decade. Mm-hmm. I hate it, man. Can- Removing, hold on, real quick. I just want to do a little bit more back of the back of the napkin math on this. Removing the cost of the team, team payroll. What do you think the like front office, the total personnel payroll of a team is? Corbin? Yeah. Did you hear me? I did. I said no idea. Oh, I did not hear you then. Uh, so, like, wait, the Jets have the most salary? That doesn't make any sense. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That doesn't make any fucking sense. The Jets don't have that much salary. Is that even possible? What is it? Two hundred twenty million dollars. The Jets have the most payroll in the NFL. That doesn't sound right. Am I an idiot? This that sounds insane. Hold on. Yes, but I don't want to give. No, they don't. Um, No, it's true. Two hundred twenty million dollars. Jags are at two forty one. Hats are at 225. Eagles are at 222. Jets are at 
I showed the Jags at 218 and the Patriots at 217. What are you so on? Spot track. I'm on spot track too. 2022 cap tracker total cap. Uh, I wasn't at total cap. I was at active contracts. All right. Total mm. cap. The Jets are at four. All right. So Six using total cap. Four. So let's see the bills total cap. Uh, where are you, Buffalo? Jeez, how far down do I have to scroll for you? 15th. There we go. $214 million. So if they make $400 million a year, they have another 185 mil for payroll. I mean, what do you realistically think the size of payroll is for a front office organization for the bills? Fucking do you, do you think, do you think it's more than a hundred million dollars a year? So we can, can we say a hundred million dollars is probably pretty reasonable for their front office? Yes. Probably probably an overestimate. All right, you know what? Do you think it's could I say eighty-five million dollars to make the remainder a little bit a little bit easier? Remainder? Remainder. No, remainder's right. I don't remember. Um eighty-five mil sound reasonable for front office spending? Yes. All right, so that leaves them a hundred million dollars left over at the end of a given season. So a billion dollars for, for the Buffalo bills. Yeah. It's about 10 years. Give or take probably less with um, all the years they make the playoffs. Cause they'll get a higher share of revenue after that. Mm-hmm. So probably a little less than 10 years, but yeah, save for longer and you can afford it. I don't get why this has to be the state of New York's issue. And this is again, um, isn't a conversation that's extended across sports. It's not just the Bills, but like this one feels egregious to me. Just one last thing I want to point out before we move on: uh, Jaguars currently have the highest total cap uh, hit in the NFL with two hundred forty-one point five million. <laughs> the Saints currently have the lowest, which that statement in and of itself is ass backwards. Wild. If you were to t- <laughs> the Saints having the lowest, the Jags having the highest. If you were to ask me that two months ago, I would say you're insane. Yeah, I know. Uh, but the Saints have 194.4, which is a difference of $47 million between the highest salary and the lowest salary team. I'll take a guess at what it is for baseball. The highest and the lowest it difference between those two has to be over $200 million because without question, the A's are at what 33, 31 mil, and the Dodgers have to be. Oh, god, and the Dodgers or Mets, I forget who's the most right now, has to be over 240. So it's got to be at least $200 million. I'll say $220 million. 220 is a very fair, bad, very good thought. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles actually have the lowest payroll in baseball with 31.7. Gross. The Dodgers have the most with 279.3. So $240 million. $248 million. So an entire other over-the-cap team worth the payroll. Literally more than the New York Yankees have in payroll is the difference between those two. The difference between those two numbers would have the third highest payroll in baseball. That's fucking insane. This is why we need to have a salary cap 
ceiling and floor. You know what's really wild is the difference between five and twenty-five. Because you go to like all right, top and bottom, whatever. Maybe they're outliers in both directions, so the sure. extremes seem exaggerated. But the fifth highest payroll is the Padres at two hundred and eight million dollars, and the fifth lowest payroll is the Marlins at sixty-eight million dollars, which is still a difference of a hundred and forty million dollars, which would still put you at the 14th highest payroll in baseball above league average, just above the Texas Rangers and just below the San Francisco giants, $140 million between five and 25, not one and 30, five and 25, $140 million. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get into baseball the way I am with other sports because of, how fucking insane these differences are. Like the NFL, the thing that always brings me back to the NFL is any team can turn it around in five years. If you're really smart and plan ahead and execute well, you can turn it around. Unless you're the Browns. Baseball, the Pirates, the Orioles, the fucking Marlins, the Royals, the Diamonds, like none of these teams have any prospects in the next five years. Not even a glimmer of hope. Like if they cashed in all of their capital, if they cashed in all of their prospects, you know, made excellent trades, they are not competing at the ability to which they're willing to commit to this team. And it's just, there's, no chance for it. No, and it's impossible to build loyalty in that way. Like, it's easy to be a loyal Yankees fan, a loyal Dodgers fan. Uh, honestly, even a loyal Angels fan, they've been bad, but they, they spend money. Like, you can rely upon these teams to do right by you as a fan with their wallets. Obviously, there was contention over this offseason from myself as well as others about the Yankees willing to suspend even more, but the Yankees are still going to run a big payroll. The Dodgers will always run a big payroll. The Phillies and Mets tend to run big payrolls. Like you can rely on those teams to do that. You cannot rely on the Orioles to do that. You cannot rely on the Marlins to do that. The Rays for all good they've been, you cannot rely on them to do that. You can't rely on the Pirates to do that. And that makes it hard to be a fan of a team that is not actively trying constantly because they don't have to. And like you said, the difference between baseball and football is like, if you make a handful of really good decisions, your team could be good in an instant in football. The bills went from being, wow, not very good to being one of the two best teams in the AFC in about two years. Yeah. And that's really, and it's in part because of the way capital gets traded in the, in the NFL where you're allowed to move a player for actual draft picks, which can't happen in MLB. So what happens is you trade players for money or for prospects prospects, which are a crap shoot. Same as how draft picks are, but not nearly to with the same concept of pedigree as, you know, getting a first round pick versus getting a guy with potential upside. It's, it's a slightly harder transition there. But also the fact that there's a minimum spending floor. Like, if the Marlins were required to spend $80 million a year, that team would obviously be better. 
And that means that you are inherently fewer moves away from being a good team. If you are required to spend 80, $90 million, then all of a sudden the guardians probably don't need to retool their entire goddamn team. They probably only need to retool the back end of the pitching rotation or the right side of the infield or their DH. Look at like, what the Padres just did. You spend a lot of money to free up really important positions. You make trades to shore up important positions, and the rest just kind of falls in place. You're a competitive team. Yeah. You can spend the money and get there. You can build the farm and get there. You can do both and get there. You do neither. You're not going to get there. It, it, it's like we talked about a few weeks ago. It really feels like money has become the untapped resource. You know, the the um, underutilized, the competitive advantage that isn't being utilized by most teams because it's like when the Dodgers run into issues, their issues are so small. Their issues are we had five great starters. One guy got hurt. Now you've got four great starters and an okay starter, but we want to have five great starters. So let's just go get another one. If the Padres are having an issue with their, uh, who did they just did trade for somebody who did they just trade for? Huh? Who the Padres? Yeah. Uh, Sean Manaya. They're having problems with their, with their pitching rotation or first base for, with the Luke Voigt trade. Like, they're so good everywhere else. They can say, what do we have to focus on? Well, the shortcomings are now a lot more obvious because the rest of the team is playing at a higher potential. So first, ba- all right, we'll go get a first baseman. Then, hey, guess what? Our infield, pretty fucking good. Instead of saying, all right, we got a first baseman. Second base still sucks. Shortstop still sucks. Third base still sucks. Why did we bother getting a first baseman? We're still bad. And yeah, if you spend the money, guess what? Fewer holes. It sounds so stupid, but it's true. That's what football teams are required to do. Some teams are really bad at it. The Jets are really bad at it. The Jaguars are really bad at it. But the teams that have been able to figure it out and turn it around, the Chiefs, the Patriots constantly, like it doesn't take a lot because you're already spending the money. You have inherent, you know, a constant influx of, 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 potential from draft capital because that's the other thing that if, hey if you're bad and you shed your players and you don't have a, a good farm system fuck you fuck you get fucked aka the orioles go fuck yourselves like just keep being bad to accumulate first round picks because you can't trade for any so getting high first high draft picks the only way you can do it is by being bad uh you don't have the capital to trade for high prospects from other teams, you have the money to do it. Sure. But are you going to spend this much money being bad? Cause that's what it would be, which I mean, we can all agree that teams should spend more money. That's a good way to spend more money, but a team is not going to spend a $200 million in payroll to suck dick. Like they're not going to do it. We all know that let them trade picks. All of a sudden they might be able to get more value out of, out of some of these trades. But I mean, if you're, if you're bad, cause your, your team suddenly regressed very heavily and you don't have a farm system, fuck you. Whereas in the NFL, you got first round picks, and it's pretty it's pretty easy to navigate around the board. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you're, you're right is what it is boiling down to these competitive balance reasons is what makes it so it makes it easy for me to be a baseball fan. The Yankees are always going to spend money. I don't know how people it's, it's the reason you're not a pirates fan. Literally the reason I'm not a pirates fan. Ah, but Hey, bills are getting a new stadium. Thank God. All that matters. All that matters. God, I was so scared. They weren't going to get it. Really? I mean, how would I have to watch Bill's games in that old stadium full of bullshit and dildos? Fuck that. On a new stadium filled with dildos. Woo. All right. Uh, I guess this will probably be the last thing we talk about today as our hour mark is rapidly approaching. But uh, Deshaun Watson got traded. Which is yeah. wild. Um, yeah. So Deshaun yeah. Watson got traded from Houston to Cleveland, which also therefore spells the end of the. Um, oh, his name is already fading from my head. What's his fucking name? The old QB? Oh, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield era uh, in Cleveland as Deshaun Watson and a 2024 sixth round pick. Which always feels so funny when they do that. It feels like a joke playing played on all of us that we don't get. Uh, so Deshaun Watson and a sixth round pick in two years go to Cleveland in exchange for uh, next year's first and third, 2024's first and fourth, and 2022's. I don't know why Pasternak does that. Uh, first and fourth. So altogether, it's three firsts, 22, 23, and 24. A third round pick in 2023. And then two fourth round picks this year in 2022 and in two years in 2024. So big trade haul for Texas. Uh, now it feels as though before we get to the hall, the massive um, division shifting trade that this is, we should probably talk about the fact that there's a reason Deshaun Watson hasn't played football in two years. Really? Um, yeah, they just uh, decided to sit out. Uh, it is that he has been accused by uh, 20 plus women of sexual assault. Now, mm. civil cases, civil trials, uh, civil charges. There we go. Have been either dropped or dismissed. I don't really recall um, which the term grand it was. jury uh, chose not to indict. Press. Yeah, indict. Um, but at, at least one grand jury did. Apparently, there's another one that's up in the air. But I, honestly, I'm not sure that what that really changes in terms of the credibility the, of the suits, because as we all PR, know, it, it, the credibility of the suits aside, it's they now have a PR out. Oh, the grand jury said they weren't going to indict. He's innocent. They can now say that and put it on a headline and put it on a letterhead from the Cleveland Browns saying, oh, we're supporting him because he was found innocent. Even though that's not the case, they have their PR headline. Which is a very sensitive issue that the Browns are very much so just treating as um something that can be brushed aside because as we all know 
the criminal justice system in the United States, not so great. Not not the best. And part of that gets shown in the degree to which sexual assault charges ultimately reach conviction because it's very, very hard, likely by design. But that to the side, there are still a lot of feelings about Deshaun Watson, the player. There's Deshaun Watson, the man, I guess I should say, that make doing something like this feel pretty shitty and pretty bad for your female fans. But it's okay because the Browns GM asked his wife and daughter if they were okay with it, and they gave the thumbs up. So women everywhere just know that women are okay with it. All right. Thank God we have that. Uh, so in, in addition, it, it's, it's tough to feel like it's really uh, to keep talking about because it, it feels so gross. Um, but I, I guess to just plow forward saying bad, bad move Browns. Uh, don't do that. Uh, God, so fucking disappointing. Yeah. Um, to, I guess move, move forward on it Af- immediately after signing or agreeing to this trade, the Browns extended to Deshaun Watson, a fully guaranteed five year, $230 million contract. So there is that as well. Well, uh, uh, also, it's structured so that his 2022 base salary is only like one or two million dollars, which um, if he were to ever get suspended for any reason, um, you know, not going to say anything specifically, who knows? Um, he deflates some footballs in the offseason. Um, the amount of money that he would miss out on would only come out of that $1 million that he would get for those game checks. So um, if there's anything per chance that would cause him to be suspended, he's not actually losing all that much money that you would expect from a $230 million contract. By the way, I would like to correct myself real quick. The uh, criminal suit was uh, the grand jury decided not to indict but there are still 22 active 22 active civil suits against Deshaun Watson 20 fucking two active civil suits as a reminder um, fucking OJ Simpson found not guilty in criminal court found guilty in civil court. Yeah. Guess who still killed his wife? <laughs> OJ. Still OJ. The juice. Juice was loose. Um, and that's not. That's not to say. That the not guilty verdict means anything. All it means is, boy, howdy. Are we as a country not great at doing the right thing in, in the legal justice system? And also, it's just there was not an overwhelming amount of evidence to prove without a shadow of a doubt that you did it. There was some doubt. There was some, you know, uncertainty there. Um, 
I don't want to specifically compare that to the O.J. Simpson trial because without a doubt, O.J. Simpson killed those two people. Um, but in a legal sense, there's a reason why guilty people walk free. Right. And which is with all the murkiness of every situation that heads into a courtroom, which is one of the reasons why the Browns shouldn't treat this as carte blanche to do whatever the fuck they want. Um, 22 active civil suits. Those are huge numbers. Um, for the trade itself, which again, God damn it. It feels kind of gross. Not kind of super gross. Go, go ahead. How do you look at like how do you grade this trade like we usually do with these? Well, that's like, what I was about to say. Uh, okay, you're paying that much for a quarterback who might not play for you this year, who might not play for you in the future, who you're giving a full guarantee. Like, I don't know where to even begin on how to discuss this trade. Uh, it's an A plus for the for for the for the Texans. Oh yeah. And, and oh, out-of-the-park yeah. home run for the Texans, who hadn't been playing Deshaun Watson, probably would have continued not playing Deshaun Watson. You just I can only assume. And got yeah. three first-round picks and three other pretty solid picks in exchange for him. For the Browns, this is a resounding F. It's a yeah. resounding F. Because for one thing, holy shit, bad move, guys. Uh, reason number two Oh my God, that's so much money for a guy who hasn't played two NFL seasons and probably won't play a third. And reason number three, is he going to be better than Baker Mayfield? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, but hey, why don't you just not sign Baker Mayfield this year? Invest in the team everywhere else that you possibly can because apparently you have oodles of money sitting around that aren't allocated in other areas. And try to figure out the QB market either next offseason or in the next draft. Or honestly, wait to see how the rest of the division shakes out for one season. If you're that con- if you're willing to essentially do that anyway, with the prospect of Deshaun Watson being suspended, why not just not make the trade? See how you can build the team without a quarterback, without a long-term solution, a quarterback right away, and make your assessment next offseason. Because by then, one would assume that Sean Watson has probably already served any suspension he's going to get. And for another way, you would get to see how do the Steelers actually handle Ben Roethlisberger's absence? How does Joe Burrow do in year three? What is what's the future contract situation look for look like for Lamar Jackson in in Baltimore? Who's up for grabs in the draft slash and free agency? There's better decisions, a better, more clarity for you going forward than there is in, in doing this. I, I don't get it. I'll say, you know, the Browns have been copying the Steelers for years because they see how, you know, prosperous our franchise is. Um, Steelers went out and drafted a quarterback who has openly said that he loves kissing titties. Uh, and the Browns, in the most Browns way possible, tried to copy that. And um, ugh, they Brownsed it. The Browns should probably start emulating the Steelers' ability to draft and develop wide receivers because they, like, destroyed OBJ's entire existence, and then he immediately went to L.A. and was like, no, I'm still pretty good. 
it's a complete tangent that I promise I'll focus back up on afterwards. But uh, Joe Goodberry on Twitter, he's a big NFL and, and specifically Bengals uh, account, uh, did like a little exercise looking at, you know, how teams perform drafting players who don't work out either at the combine or at their pro day or, at you know, the senior bowl before getting drafted. And, you know, if you go through it from now until like 2000, like for the past 20 years, whatever the, the boundaries were, if a team drafted, like, let's say 10 or 12 guys who didn't work out at all, maybe one of them happened to hit to be a, a contributor to some level. And they go to the Steelers and it's like, all right, Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, you know, going down the list for like 10 years. And it's like, you could field half your team with these kind of players. And it's like, they just do it better. And they just figured it out, which, hey, good for them. They do well. But to get back to this Deshaun Watson trade, um, if you were to judge this as solely the quarterback and what this specific player is able to do for you on the field under the assumption that there are no extracurricular red flags or question marks whatsoever, this was the Deshaun Watson that existed the day before all of these accusations came to light. I would say that's a great trade for the Browns, regardless of how much they were able to give up because top five franchise changing quarterbacks do not grow on trees. The Browns have been looking for one for 30 years, 50 years, hundred years. They've never been able to find one. They have a fairly good team around him already. You can put him in your contender. No questions. Like you have completely changed the franchise outlook for the next decade. Plus next 10, 15 years. It gives you a chance where, you know, drafting 15 to 20 every single year for the next five, 10 years, however far you want to you know, argue for argument's sake, you're not going to find a true franchise-changing quarterback. Um, the problem with that assumption is that that's not who Deshaun Watson is when they traded for him. And there's no way that this can be a clean, clearly cut, decision with wins and losses the way we normally grade these trades because yes you have a football player who can do those things on the field you don't know when he's going to be on the field you don't know what the future outlook for his fucking freedom is going to be and you are permanently tarnishing both your reputation culture and locker room I mean, if I was a player for the Browns who signed there, you know, hey, you know, blue collar team, really looking up, trying to build something, trying to put something together. I love, you know, Stefanski. I, I want to play for him. You know, let's go win the right way. Let's go do this. Let's make a difference. Let's change the city. Let's do it. And then they bring in Deshaun Watson. I'm going to be sitting there in the locker room like, I don't want to fucking be here anymore. I don't want to play for this team. I don't want to play and win that guy a Lombardi trophy. I fucking hate that guy. I don't want, like, get me the fuck out of here. It's a huge, huge culture shock and a huge t- 
tarnishing of whatever it was they were trying to build beforehand. It's just, I don't think this trade, even with what they gave up, even if it was less, that it would be worth doing that to your team. To your team, to your fan base, to your city. I mean, there's a lot of repercussions. And this is assuming. How do you make that trade as a general manager and go home and talk to your wife about how your day went? What'd you do today, honey? Ah, Traded for a serial, serial sexual assaulter. I, or talk about the news ever. Talk, how do you look at somebody on the, how does like, your wife be like, oh, you see this guy who got arrested, do this horrible thing. Yeah. And you go like, yeah, yeah, that guy's horrible, but is he good at his job? Like, yeah. you realize how disgusting that makes you? Because guess a, what? He's he a young daughter. How the I, fuck are you supposed to raise her? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know how hard it is for people to come out and talk about sexual assault when it happens to them anyway? It only gets harder when they get treated like this in, in criminal courts. I, I mean, like, it's bad. It's How do you look at your daughter and say, you know, no one's going to do anything. If someone ever touches you inappropriately or does anything bad to you, like, they're going to face their consequences. Unless, unless they're, like, a really good quarterback and, like, I need him to do work for me, in which case... No consequences, but otherwise, I'm sure consequences definitely. Uh, you're a bad guy. I mean, like we just saw in um oh oh god the 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 no knock case in, in St. Louis. Uh, yeah, what was that um Breonna Taylor? Breonna Taylor. Thank you so much. I, I, I had the B stuck in my head, but I couldn't get the rest of it. The 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 cops who did that, the grand jury didn't indict them either. Yeah. So who fucking cares? It's made up bullshit. Who fucking it, it's made up bullshit. It's all made up bullshit. And like, like it, it yes, we'd like to pretend that our system is, is good and works and is functional. A lot of times it's not. And a lot of times it comes down to men in power being able to get away with stuff. Especially oh, where, in where the criminal case. <laughs> so it's a non And also from the football, the guy hasn't played in two years. He's likely going to get suspended this year. It's going to be three years. I genuinely hope the NFL has a year-long investigation into this so that they can suspend him next year and actually take some money from him. Also, like, what are you supposed to feel as a Browns player? Like, all right, so all the locker room stuff that you said, but also, like, this is a huge gamble on your future with the team. If, like, if, if I'm a wide receiver with the Browns, I saw OBJ's career almost die here because you guys couldn't figure it out. I am seeing a complete lack of aptitude on offense and defense, including the fact that you guys have some star players and still haven't been able to figure it out. And now you're taking a huge gamble monetarily and positionally on quarterback that I don't know if it's going to pan out even this year. We're not going to find out until next year. And is that supposed to entice me? Like, that's a wild risk to take. Like, bringing in 42-year-old Tom Brady into the Buccaneers uh, org was a way less risky move than this. Even with Brady's advanced age. The guy who won six Super Bowls was uh, less risky. Well, because because of his age. Real sexist. You know what I mean? Like, like he's he was an old man leaving the system he had only played in for 20 years of his career. 
And it's like, all right, can he one, keep fighting off age and two, do it outside of the Belichick system? And yeah, he could in part because of a great front office, a great coaching staff and a great supporting cast. All things the Browns don't have. So, yeah, pretty big risk. I hope it doesn't work out for him. I'll go out on a limb and say that. Yeah, me too. So, look, there's a lot of other stuff to get to that's been going on in the world of baseball and football recently. Baseball will be starting up very soon. Opening day is is scheduled to be, uh, I believe, this upcoming weekend. I think Thursday? Uh, 7th. Yeah, all right, that's Thursday. Um, Should be opening day for most, uh, every team, I think. But regardless, so we'll have some stuff to talk about. Maybe we'll make the next episode baseball related. Stuff no one cares about outside of gangly white men. Uh, So we... The opposite of gangly white men. Short Asian men. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, so we'll, we'll get more to it. Uh, in Wednesday's episode. Wow, I really lost what day it was for a second there. Oh, okay, yeah, I need to stop. <laughs> my, my brain is in overload. Um, sorry. In the in the meantime, I'd like to follow the show. You do so at Choosing Pod. I'd like to follow Corwin on Twitter. You can do so at Corwin Heller. I'd like to follow myself on Twitter. You can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. Like I said, email us to the show. You can do so at JuicyTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.